and you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. Hello, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, Tonight's episode is honoring some authors and writers who passed away in 2017. I did a similar episode last year doing a tribute to the authors who passed in 2016, and you can find that episode on SpillingRubies.com. And it's still um, one of my favorite episodes, both to put together and to listen to. So I thought I might give it a go for 2017. Um, Putting the show together had an extra little twinge of sadness for me as both my parents have passed away and many of the authors I'm honoring tonight were of a similar age and from us, you know, their generation. So perhaps in a weird way, sideways way, this is kind of a tribute to my parents. I don't know. I don't know. There's some little sidecar there for them, whatever that might be. So I hope you're able to enjoy tonight's episode, and um, maybe it'll introduce you to some new authors. It it did for me, so. I'd like to start with Janusz Gowacki. Janusz Gowacki. He was a Polish playwright, uh, a novelist, a screenwriter, and uh, he grew up in Warsaw, Poland. And he watched the zealous passion of communism rise and then collapse in his country. And he really used um, his experience of watching that happen to create these very dark, funny pieces about totalitarianism and what it's like to be an emigrant, to, you know, to have to be forcibly pushed out of your country and not able to return. Uh, He actually went to New York for a visit and he ended up staying there for eight years because he wasn't allowed back in Poland due to the creative work he had been doing there that was deemed too divisive and revolutionary. So by the time he returned to Poland after the collapse of communism at the end of the 1980s, he actually was pretty famous in both places. And so he ended up kind of splitting his life up between Warsaw and New York City, which he always commented on as being a very strange experience. Um, He wrote in 1990, Maybe I belong nowhere, and I am simply dangling somewhere in the middle. Uh, Growing up under a very repressive government left him with a real deep appreciation for how language and perceptions of reality can be completely manipulated and those themes run through a lot of his writing. Um, You probably know him from his play Antigone in New York which premiered in the early 1990s and that's a play that tells the story of homeless immigrants in New York's Tompkins Square Park.
Pedro lives out of the Wilshire Hotel. He looks out a window without glass. The walls are made of cardboard. Newspapers on his feet, and his father beats him because he's too tired to beg. He's got nine brothers and sisters. They're brought up on their knees. It's hard to run when a coat hanger beats you on the thighs. Pedro dreams of being older and killing the old man, but that's a slim chance. He's going to the boulevard. He's gonna end up on the dirty boulevard. He's going out to the dirty boulevard. He's going down to the dirty boulevard. Room costs $2,000 a month. You can believe it, man, it's true. Somewhere a landlord's laughing till he wets his pants. No one dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They dream of dealing on the dirty boulevard. Give me your hungry, your tired, your poor, I'll piss on them. That's what the statue of bigotry says. Your poor huddled masses, let's club them to death and get it over with and just dump them on the boulevard. Get him out on the dirty boulevard. Going out to the dirty boulevard. They going down on the dirty boulevard. Going out. Outside it's a bright night. There's an opera at Lincoln Center. Movie stars arrive by limousine. The Klieg lights shoot up over the skyline of Manhattan, but the lights are out on the mean streets. A small kid stands by the Lincoln Tunnel. He's selling plastic roses for a buck. The traffic's backed up to 39th Street. The TV whores are calling the cops out for a suck. And back at the wheelchair, Pedro sits there dreaming. He's found a book on magic in a garbage can. He looks at the pictures and stares up at the cracked ceiling. Count of three says, I hope I can disappear and fly, fly away from this dirty boulevard. I want to fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly, 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 fly from the dirty boulevard. I want to fly away. I want to fly, fly, fly away. I want to fly, fly, fly away. Time. And do I really 
really have a hand in my forgetting Now that I've tried Now that I've finally found that this is not the way Now that I turn Now that I feel it's time to spend the night away I want to know Do I stay or do I go And maybe finally split the rhyme And do I really understand the undernetting Yes, and the morning has me looking in your eyes And seeing mine Warning me to read the signs Carefully Now that the candle's falling smaller in my mind Now that it's here Now that I'm almost not so very far behind I want to know Do I stay or do I go And maybe fall another side And do I really have a song that I can ride on Now that I can Now that it's easy, ever easy all around Now that I'm near Now that I'm falling to the sunlight center sound I want to know Do I stay or do I go and do I have to do just one? And can I choose again if I should lose the reason? Yes, and the morning has me looking in your eyes and seeing mine Warning me to read the signs more carefully Now that I smile Now that I'm laughing even deeper in the side Now that I see Now that I finally found the one thing I denied It's now I know But do I stay or do I go? And it is finally I decide That I be leaving in the fairest of the seasons
and you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on kwtf.net. The next author that I want to honor tonight is Robert M. Persig, who is most famous for writing the countercultural book of the 1970s, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. He passed away in 2017 at the age of 88. Uh, This book actually has a lot of personal meaning to me because it was one of my father's favorite books, and there were copies of it all over my house growing up, and he would often give copies to his friends. Um, My father was also an avid motorcycle rider. Um, He rode BMWs only, and um, he was always tinkering and building and swapping out parts and having strange people come over with bags of parts and um, until he finally got into a bad enough accident that he came home. Of course, he didn't go to the hospital. He came home with his collarbone sticking out of his shoulder. And I was about seven years old, and it scared me so badly I couldn't sleep for days after that. And so my mom after that said, no more motorcycles. And honestly, I think it almost broke up their marriage, but they did end up staying together, and my dad did stop riding motorcycles. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance uh, is essentially an attempt to reconcile the act of being human with how fast technology was changing, and we're talking about the 1970s, so just imagine what Robert think, thought of things these days before he passed away. Um, the publication of that book was perfectly timed because the 60s counterculture movement was just starting to really kind of fizzle out and like rot. Um, Todd Gitlin, who's a sociologist and has written a bunch of books about that time in history, said, There is such a thing as a zeitgeist, and I believe the book was popular because there were a lot of people who wanted a reconciliation, even if they didn't know what they were looking for. Persig provided a kind of soft landing from the euphoric stratosphere of the late 60s into the real world of adult life. So it's part road trip novel, part open letter to a generation, Um, and it's a fictionalized account of a cross-country motorcycle trip that he took in 1968 with his 11-year-old son, Christopher. Um, And I want to read a few of my favorite quotes to you now. The truth knocks on the door and you say, go away, I'm looking for the truth. And so it goes away. And uh, one more. You are never dedicated to something you have complete confidence in. No one is fanatically shouting that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. They know it's going to rise tomorrow. When people are fanatically dedicated to political or religious faiths or any other kinds of dogmas or goals, it's always because these dogmas or goals are in doubt. Yeah, I gotta go, man. 
I got a horse and he lives in a tree. He watches Huckleberry Hound on his TV. But Easy Rider, don't, don't you deny, deny my name. Oh no. Oh no. I would buy you a plastic suit and I would even buy you some cardboard fruit. But Easy Rider, don't you deny my name. Oh no, oh no He's right, don't deny my name to the paper doll I said easy I'll 
to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. Have you noticed that you haven't heard me yammer on about mattresses or having food delivered to your house or telling you about website hosting services? That's because KWTF doesn't have any ads, not a single one. Isn't that amazing? Aren't you lucky that you get to listen to such a cool, eclectic radio station that lets revolutionary and nerdy ladies like me program shows for you? I mean, how awesome is that? So how do we stay on the air? How do we do it? Well, I hate to tell you this, but along with blood, sweat, tears, and time, it also takes money. Mm -hmm. Cold hard cash on the barrel head, and I'm going to be really honest with you. KWTF doesn't have very much of that right now, and we really need your help. Even just $10 a month can mean the difference between staying on the air and disappearing from your life forever. But how do you give to KWTF? You just go to kwtf.net and click on that donate button. You can give a one-time gift or sign up for monthly giving like I do. I don't always love logging into my online banking, but I do love seeing that little old update that says, Hey, cool girl, you just gave money to your favorite radio station. You're so smart. I don't have to think about it, and I don't have to worry about it. It just happens. So please give to KWTF today by going to kwtf.net and clicking on that donate button. You'll be so glad that you did. The best things in life are free You can give them to the birds and bees I need some money But your love don't pay my bills, I need money I sell a whole lot of money 
but it can't get it. I can't use. I need some money. I can't you see? I need a whole lot of money. That's what I want. That's what I want. to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on kwtf.net. The next author I would like to honor this evening is Kate Millett, who was an activist, an artist, and an educator who wrote the best-selling book Sexual Politics, which was a true manifesto for the feminist movement. She died of a heart attack in Paris at the age of 82, where she was visiting to discuss one of her early feminist films. Her book, Sexual Politics, was published in the summer of 1970, and it was an immediate hit. Kate Millett and Betty Friedan both walked in the Women's Strike for Equality in New York, which some people say attracted as many as 50,000 people. Both spoke at the rally at Bryant Park, and Kate Millett famously announced at that rally, we're a movement now, and many feminist historians mark that moment as the beginning of the women's movement. Millett identified as bisexual back then, and this really upset Friedan because she felt that it distracted from the focus of women's rights, whereas Millett, rightly so, felt the two were intertwined. I want to share some of my favorite quotes from sexual politics and who boy, but aren't they still pertinent today, almost 50 years later. From the book, perhaps patriarchy's greatest psychological weapon is simply its universality and longevity. And it is interesting that many women do not recognize themselves as discriminated against. No better proof could be found of the totality of their conditioning. Boy, do I still see that today. And my favorite, under patriarchy, the female did not herself develop the symbols by which she is described. So powerful, so true. When Kate was interviewed about second wave feminism just five days before she died, she said that the point of it all was to get someplace. The point was for the impossible. I hope we've done Kate proud. black My arms are long
and you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on kwtf.net. Ah, my nose is so itchy. The next author I would like to honor this evening is extra special to my heart. It's Michael Bond, the British author who created Paddington Bear, the polite, good-natured, but disaster-prone little hero of my favorite books as a kid. Michael Bond died in his home in London at the age of 91, but Paddington Bear still lives on in all our hearts. He was also one of my grandmother's favorite authors, and she gave me a stuffed Paddington Bear that I still have today. He's lost all his clothes, he's totally naked, um, and his fur is all flat and greasy, (laughs) pretty much, but he still has his crooked little black thread smile, and I still love him. Uh, He used to have a little tag around his neck that said, please look after this bear. And growing up, we often threw around Paddington Bear one-liners in my own house and in my grandmother's house, including, it's nice having a bear about the house, and things are always happening to me. I'm that sort of bear. I wonder if that Paddington Bear is the source of my love of bears. (laughs) I don't know. You never know how these things work. Mr. and Mrs. Brown first met Paddington on a railway platform. In fact, that was how he came to have such an unusual name for a bear, because Paddington was the name of the station. Mr. Brown saw him first, a small, furry object sitting on an old suitcase behind a pile of mailbags near the lost property office. The bear was wearing a funny kind of hat, and on the side of the suitcase, in large white letters, were the words, Wanted on Voyage. A label around the bear's neck said, quite simply, Please look after this bear. Thank you.
and you are tuned in to KWTF 80.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. Well, that's it, folks. Spilling Rubies episode 64 has come to a close. Um, And before I completely end the show, I do want to give two honorable mentions. Um, One to Bernie Wrightston, who is the acclaimed comic book artist who co-created the horror creature Swamp Thing. He passed away in 2017. And I saw Swamp Thing when I was very young, way too young. And... um, that creature was um a big monster like a scary monster in my psyche for a really long time (laughs) so he has a special place in my heart and also florence fabulous flo sternberg who was the pioneering publisher of independent comics and was the marvel comics editor and stanley's secretary she died on my birthday last year at the age of 78 So I just wanted to mention those two here at the end. Thanks for tuning in to Spilling Rubies tonight. I'm so glad you're here with me. And you can listen again to this and all our archived episodes at SpillingRubies.com. You can also find a full list of what I played tonight there as well. You can also find us on Twitter and iTunes and Stitcher and Facebook and even on Pinterest. Oh my god. Thanks for joining me and don't forget to subscribe to kwtf.net by visiting kwtf.net and clicking on that donate button. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week right here on KWTF 88.1 FM, Bodega Bay.